examine yourselves. That would be like what I felt for the, the message to have a title. Examine yourselves to, whether you are, to see whether you're in the faith and test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So is Jesus Christ in you? Is he in me? Is he in us today? This is the test and the examination that we're called in Scripture to actually do. Uh, and, and, and it's a good, healthy thing regularly to check in and make sure. So Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. They had a lot of problems, asking, asking them this very sobering question. Isn't it a very sobering question? Because we, get, we have a very real enemy who wants to attack our foundations. And the, the greatest thing that he can attack is our walk with God, our salvation, our assurance, and our confidence. And if he gets to that, he can cripple the church and he can make us ineffective. Now, I don't want that for me. I don't want that for us. So he has a four-step, uh, and there's, there's a lot more, but he has a four-step test of eternal life or our salvation. I'm going to go through four points, and we can look at them and really just trust that through those points, as you ponder them, the Lord is going to speak. And maybe there's a challenge that he wants to bring your way, possibly something for us to repent of, which means to, I'm going to change my mind on this. I'm going to walk away from this era. I'm going to come to, into his uh, forgiving arms, and he's going to heal and maybe change an attitude of our hearts today that he needs to touch. As I go through the four, the four tests or the four points, the first one, uh, you can call it a doctrinal test or a theological test or a test about who Jesus is. So the question is, how do you think of Jesus Christ? What do you think about him? Um, and, and maybe the, 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 to unpack this, because this can go very wide. We don't have time to go hugely wide. But Romans 6 verse 23 is a well-known scripture. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus is our Lord. God has given him to us as a gift, a free gift. To bring us into eternal life. But he, uh, as a person, we need to know that Jesus Christ is a person. I spoke about the Holy Spirit being a person and not an it. That's very important. Jesus Christ is a person, but here's the beautiful thing. He's both God and man. And it's so important just to remind ourselves that uh, he was fully able to be both. So oftentimes you think, well, he was man on earth for a while. But he also said he was God. You know, now he's in heaven, so maybe now I see him as God, but was he, like, why couldn't he, you know, do miraculous things, miraculous things, and free himself from dying on the cross? You know, many had that question, but if you are God, why don't you save yourself? But that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. He did his Father's will, which was to go to the cross and die for us. But in that time, he was fully God and fully man, not a mix of the two. He wasn't like part man and part God, and so therefore he couldn't quite, you know, save himself from the cross because he wasn't, you know, who he said he was. No, he was fully God on the earth and fully man. Fully man so that he could understand what we go through. So every pain and every suffering, every trauma we go through, Jesus can relate, he can sympathize, he can understand, and he can free us and bring us into health. Why? Because he was fully man. He has the full picture of understanding what we went through. Who of you, 
have ever been so stressed and so under pressure and so tormented in this life that you have sweated to the point of sweating blood? Anybody? Louis was nearly there when I ran him hard yesterday afternoon. <laughs> I've only sweated salt, not blood. Uh, I've got no leg to stand on and say, Jesus, you don't understand what I go through. Because he was fully man and he went through more than any of us. Maybe all of us put together, probably. Fully man, yet fully God. It was important for us to understand that. His nature, his godly nature, and his human nature were, very, were, ex, were ex distinct, not extinct, distinct, separate, but full. Each nature, but Christ is one person, okay, so we get that. He's fully God in nature, fully human, man in nature, but he's one person. He doesn't have a different personality, you know, he doesn't have dual personality. He's a person, and he's one person, and he understands everything that we go through. Okay, you got that. It's important to know that because I remember having a conversation in this hall with a young lady who um, was visiting us who didn't understand that uh, uh, Jesus was fully God himself on the earth. And it's so important to know that. That same person also thought the Holy Spirit was, a, was an it and was just a being that would touch and give us goosebumps. And you know, The Holy Spirit is also a person. He wants to be known and he wants to make himself known to us. Just as Jesus' ultimate goal for us is to mature and to become like him in our nature, the perfect man that ever lived. But he also wants us to know him. And he wants to know us, an intimate relationship. Okay, first point, second point, or the second test of examination is the spiritual test. So God has given us his spirit, which bears witness with our spirit. Remember at Easter I spoke about us having a dormant spirit man. And only when the Holy Spirit comes into us are we born again. And actually that's, the salvation point. That's the time. That was the marker at which the early church where people could say, he's saved, she's saved, because the Holy Spirit was inside of them. He was the marker. He was the seal. Um, without the Holy Spirit, we actually cannot pass the second test of are we in the faith. So when we're examining ourselves, point two or four, and this, is list, this list could even go beyond four. There's the spiritual test. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you know the Holy Spirit as a person? Because some tried to get, and I think you'll agree, you probably would have met people like this. Maybe it's something you've experienced. And often we try to get assurance from Scripture itself. So we have a lot of truth and a lot of knowledge, and it can come across as assurance. Like, I really know my... This person really knows his or her stuff, knowledge. But in the New Testament... The assurance of faith, faith excuse me, is, not, is not the text. It's not knowledge. It's the Holy Spirit. We need the text. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is, you know, the, 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 the text, the Bible, is one of the keys to knowing Jesus, who is the living word. And there are a lot of keys. You know, worship is a key, and a study, is a key, study of the word is a key. Um, the giftings that we bring as the church, they're keys to unlocking us to meet the person of, of Christ, to, to know him. And um, the Holy Spirit is, is so important. We need assurance from knowing him. Not just, you know, I've heard it said, 
Well, the Bible said it, so I just do it. And that's great. Um, it's great. Uh, what's the word? It's, it's wonderful. Obedience. Obedience. It's wonderful. But it's going to take you so far because we need the Holy Spirit to help us I mean, to try and follow what God's written in His Word is impossible in my strength. Let's be honest. Like you fail at the very first hurdle, you know. But with the Holy Spirit assuring us we can follow. Assurance comes from the Holy Spirit rather than the text throughout the New Testament. In the early church, you'll see as you go through from Acts right through the letters, you'll see that the, the languages and he was filled with the Spirit. And when the Spirit came onto that person, their life was changed. But pray that God would give them his Spirit. It's because that was the marker. That was the proof of salvation. It was the, the, um, the, 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 the word, the New Testament says it's a seal, a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. The, the deposit, there it is, the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, your inheritance, your eternity, your, your salvation, that deposit is the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I even pray now that you would, your Holy Spirit would move amongst our hearts again. And if there's anyone, Lord, that is wondering about the inheritance or wondering about their assurance, their salvation, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would just move over every heart, that you'd make alive what is dormant, that you'd convict and speak, encourage, draw men and women to a place of assurance, to a place of, I know, I know that my hope is stored up for me in heaven. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what you do? Would you come and do what you do? Have you ever heard of the Peter package? Peter, the apostle, has a package. It's quite known as the the four-point Peter package. Some guys talk about it uh, when when they're looking at our salvation and looking at topics like salvation. One is uh, faith, to believe in Jesus. Two, to repent, change my ways and start living for Jesus and not for myself. So repent, faith. Believe. Three, be water baptized. And four, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Peter package, when the church was birthed, was if you don't have the full package, Peter would say, you're not born again. You're not assured of eternity. You're not one of the children of God. You're not a disciple yet. You're on the journey. There's a measure. Believe, repent, be baptized as a public confirmation and declaration that I'm following and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can actually walk out this journey. It's a vital package. Let me jump to the, to the next scripture. One, in 1 John 3 verse 24. Let's look at that. 1 John 3 verse 24. That whoever keeps his commandments, God's commandments, lives in him or abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit that he has given us. So here's another confirmation. He doesn't say this is how we know that he abides in us by the knowledge he's given us or by the scripture he's given us or by the text. It's by the Spirit. The deposit guaranteeing our inheritance inheritance is a person. It's the third person of of the Trinity. The Spirit was given as a marker. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful promise. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him. And he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. 
We know it by the spirit he gave us. You know, it's very easy to know. And it's a beautiful thing that we, we have friends amongst us, people that we're drawing into the kingdom, those that we're, we're witnessing to, we're discipling, we're loving. It's very important for us in this day and age, I think, it's the only day and age I've ever lived in, but I think it's a very important thing for us now is to clearly, to be very wise, ask God for wisdom because he gives without finding fault. If you ask him, James says, with faith, he will give us all the wisdom we need. But to be very wise and discerning to know who the children of God are and who aren't the children of God. Because we can get so muddled up and our enemy can, and he does, infiltrate. And he, you know, we need to know like who are the children of God who are the children of the devil? Because guess what? We are the one or the two. There's no in between. Like, hey, I'm not so bad that I'm, don't call me a child of the devil. I'll just be like, I'm on my own. Like, I'm not anyone's child. You know, I'm, not, I'm not following God yet. I'm not his child, but I'm not a child of the devil. There's no in between. It's one or the other. We're either God's child, assured of our faith, or we're not. We're on the other side. And we need to know uh, the people that we're walking with where they are, are at. And here's the beautiful thing. As we examine ourselves today, we need to help others to examine themselves. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you know him? Because there are many other spirits as well. There are false Jesuses, false gospels, false churches out there. Many are collapsing as we speak. Different gospel, different Jesus, different spirit. We have to be wise and discerning, and our Lord will help us. So third test is a moral test. Okay, so doctrinal or theological test, a spiritual test, and the third one, a moral test. So a good question to ask is, am I or have I kicked, away, kicked against sorry, the way uh, uh, God wants me to live? So that very practical living out of our faith. Have you and do you kick against that? It is a challenging walk, let's, you know, to be a disciple. Jesus' disciples from the very first disciples were called to leave everything behind, follow him, and pick up their cross daily, just as Jesus modeled. And it's the same for us. It hasn't changed in 2022. It looks that way when you look across the world and you see the church and the way people live, the way people lead. You can easily fall into trap thinking, is this, is, is this even the same Jesus as we see with the early disciples in the early church? Well, it's not. Mostly it's not. It looks nothing like him, does it? But he, we've got to ask ourselves, if ever we are wanting to kick against the way that God wants us to live, we have this thing called a conscience, right? And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through our conscience. It's, it's a gift given to us, like a moral compass helping us to remember, this is how you want me to live, God. I know that it's hard, and every day we pick up our cross. But as that voice speaks to us, the moral compass test, are we listening to the Holy Spirit through this beautiful thing called our conscience? I'm going to look at that just for a moment or two. But our conscience was given to us, but I, I believe made alive by the Holy Spirit. Made alive by the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, even before I knew the Lord, I knew to a degree, right and wrong. I mean, we all, you know, different measures of how we were brought up, but you always had this niggle inside, right? Uh, this would be wrong, you know, peer pressure. 
and then it finally gets you and you go down some, some bad avenues as a teenager or early 20s or whenever, and you just have this, this pull back towards health and life and conscience. The challenge is that uh, we can we stop listening to that beautiful gift called our conscience, and we can actually sear it, we can stop listening, and it can be a voice that grows very quiet, and we can move into absolute rebellion. So be careful. I believe that the, our conscience is actually deeper than just our minds, because um, I believe that it's, it's, it's our spirit, that, it, that is the Holy Spirit that's speaking to our spirit man about following. And as, and as this takes place, our mind begins to change. We transform our minds, right? The renewing of our mind transforms the way we think and then the way we act. So I want to say if you're feeling that, that kicking, the moral kicking against the way you live, it's another way that the Lord speaks to us and wants to assure us of our journey and our faith. Uh, let's look at Titus 1 verse 15. Titus 1 verse 15. To the pure, Paul writing to Titus. Yes, it is 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. So here's the beautiful thing. I spoke about consciences. Now, the separation of mind and conscience, they've spoken about as two different things. And I think that's because our conscience is on a deeper level. I really feel like a, a real, a real uh, holy moment when talking about conscience. Even as I was prepping on the weekend, it's just something deep. It's something around our spirit being. That's something that the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit in our life, helps us with. Because if we deny our conscience, if we denying the voice of the Holy Spirit, showing us how to live as pleasing unto the Lord, we can become defiled and unbelieving. Look at this. See, this is also written to the church, not unbelievers. It's a letter to the church to the defiled and unbelieving. So, you know, we, we're able to get to that place. How? Well, we, our minds can become defiled. And I think it starts when we block the voice of the Holy Spirit, when our, we don't listen anymore to our, our conscience. Uh, Will, Will Murray, bless him. Uncle Will did a preach at one of our 412 conferences about our consciences. Do you have a God conscience? what that question was, or, or not. <laughs> and the point was, we need a God conscience. We need to have a moral conscience. We need to know how God wants us to live, and we need to stay close to Him. And the Holy Spirit is the key to keeping us sharp to the voice inside. We need to make sure it's His voice. So the Holy Spirit and uh, our conscience. Uh, Romans 9 verse 1 says this, I speak the truth, Paul writes, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying, he said. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. So you see Paul writing about his conscience and the Holy Spirit's involvement, keeping him in line with God's will, keeping him full of truth as he comes to the church and brings truth and direction. All right. Almost at the fourth and last point. Um, I'm, I've been looking at 1 John as well. 
I've left a large chunk out. We'll do that another time. But in 1 John 3, verse 4 and 6, 4 to 6, 1 John 3, John writes, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So we need the law to show us what offends God. We need the law to show us uh, where in our life we actually kick against, kick against God and his values. In verse 5, John says, but you know that he appeared, Jesus, so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And no one who lives in him, Jesus, keeps on sinning. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. It's a, a very hectic scripture. I must have sat on this like the whole week, like, Lord, Lord, Lord. And I can't, because of time, go really deep into this. But I did want to say, John actually taught, remember in, in 1 John, his letter, he's a really old believer. And many who describe him in this place as like this grandfather of the faith. And his entire theme was love. The royal command, love God with everything, love one another. Like if we get that right, guys, if we love God with everything and we examine ourselves like this often, because this examination is done because we just love him so much. He saved us. So why wouldn't we want to examine ourselves and make sure that we're close to him and we can love others in the same way? That's what he asks of us. That's what John highlights. John says that if you go on living in Christ, then you won't go on living in sin. So it's not this, I'm worried right now about, like, am I like, okay with God? It's just go on living. Don't make it a once-off, hey, I was saved on that day, and then I like, got water baptized, and now I'm okay forever, and I go on living just the way I want to live. That's, that's not the Christian walk. That's not a disciple. A disciple goes on living, goes on living for Christ. And the more we do that, the less we will miss the mark, offend him, hurt him, which is sin. Because we begin to abide in him like 1 John shows us. There's such a developing theme in that letter is that as we live in him, as we abide in him, he's going to speak to us. Then his Holy Spirit is our, our voice showing us. We know who he is because we, we're passing the, the doctrinal test, because we're abiding in him, passing the moral test, because we're listening to his voice. We're obeying, and he's helping us to obey. So we go on living for him in greater degrees. You guys with me? He does that. We don't have to do it. But we are called to abide in him. And then it's this beautiful picture of what he wanted for us the day he called us out of the grave and started walking with us. Last one, the social test. Woo! Social test. If you love God's other children, then you can be assured and you pass the test. Okay, I touched on love for one another. In 1 John 2 verse 9 to 11, last scripture, 1 John 2 verse 9 to 11, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Okay. In verse 11, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness. John just repeated what he said. <laughs> and they walk around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded their eyes or his eyes. And it's this beautiful thing of like, it's actually not an option to lack love for our brothers and sisters. It's part of examining our hearts, are we in the faith? You know, it's, you know I think about there's a lot of, 
you know, people in the world who don't have the Spirit of Christ in them who are not saved, they love fairly well, eh? Sometimes we, you know, we look out there and there's love. But in God's family, the, the standards just go through the roof, you know? You know? Because, and, and we can't do it, right? We, we can't make it happen. It's, it's Him in us. As we abide in Him, radical things happen through us. You know, love believes the best, right? So every time there's a challenge relationally, <laughs> love believes the best. And, uh, and, and, and in, in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, we can believe the best no matter what. That's truth. And if we're struggling to, you know what we need to do? We need to repent and come to our Father and say, I am struggling to believe the best of my friend Gideon right now. I don't have a right to stop loving or to not believe the best because I'm commanded to. So then I've got to go to my, my Father and ask His Holy Spirit to change me, repent if I need to, and go and believe the best of my brother. That is, when that is happening regularly, I'm hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. My conscience is telling me. And as I abide in Him, I'm able to love in a way that's impossible for Neil, but, but, but possible in him, you know? So, <laughs> good morning too. Love prays for those brothers and sisters. Love prays for them often. Lifts them up in their need. Prays for their growth, for their maturity. Prays for their practical situations. And prayer is a great measure of that love, that social Examination, love for the brothers and sisters, prayer. And then love also covers over sin. So believing the best is one thing. But what about when someone hurts me, offends me, sins against me, sins against God? We can easily like, pull back. We probably all do by nature. Pull back. But actually God says, love covers over sin. Okay, Holy Spirit, help me with this one as well. Because it's impossible in my strength. Really impossible. And uh, the last point is love prefers that brother or sister, prefers one another, even in their differences, and even over myself. So we're on this journey of dying to ourselves, right? We're called to be, uh, and I think this is what the world needs to see. Ultimately, I think when unbelievers see people who love themselves less and less, as they grow more and more like Christ, that's attractive. Yeah. I think that's the most attractive thing because the Bible's clear. Like they, they will know Him by our love for one another. And it's not just a, hey, I'll get on with you. We, we have the same hobbies. We play soccer together. We all love music. We're in, a, we're in a worship team. They see that and they go, well, you enjoy each other or you're similar to each other. But there's a way deeper type of love that reflects him to the world. And it's like I put down what I enjoy and my preference and I sacrifice who I am for the sake of loving them. Self-sacrificial love. So to run through those four, we're going to end there, okay? Four test. Doctrinal who Jesus is. Spiritual. Second test. Do we have the Holy Spirit? our marker, our deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance and our eternity. 
the moral test? What's your conscience saying? Is the Holy Spirit's voice still loud? Is it inactive? Do you need your conscience to be woken up again, maybe today, by the Lord? And then the fourth is the social test, our love for one another, the love of God. So let's stand together. I would love us to have a moment with God. Um, two, three, three questions is, uh, do we pass all the tests? Let's just close our eyes and maybe just, I'll just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Would you, would you leave here today absolutely assured of your salvation and your eternity and your inheritance with God, confident and secure? If not, today is the day to secure your heart in Him. And we can stand with you and pray for you and make sure that whatever of those four points brought something up, the Lord will deal with that today through His church. That's why we are gathered for one another. First question. Second one. Did, excuse me, did each of us pass the test as we examine our heart and just looked at Scripture? Maybe... There's an area that the Lord has highlighted in us. We can deal with that today. I'm going to encourage us not to leave until we have done that. And lastly, are you... And I felt to just... Even though there's four points, to labor on the fourth one, is I feel like the Lord would want us to respond specifically for our love for one another. Because if we're walking around in the darkness, which... Scripture is clear that's what we're walking around in if we don't have a love for our brothers and sisters. If we're walking around in darkness, and what good are we to a dying world if we are blindfolded and stumbling around in the darkness? We, our witness goes out the window and we're, we're just wasting, wasting precious time because of a lack of love. And uh, he wants to do something in that today, I feel. Like just a prayer, Lord, I repent. Lord, help me. I'm lacking in this area. Give me a fresh touch. It's as simple as that. So can I encourage just maybe to run through those questions again? If you want to respond for any of those three, I would love to pray. I have faith to pray just for any of us. In the smallest hint of Lord is speaking to me about that thing. I'll go through them again. And I'm going to encourage you guys just come and stand in the front is a step of faith, like, and just allow him to touch your heart today, man. And just Holy Spirit is here wanting to ignite and maybe challenge and maybe even impart something um, that you feel is lacking today. So the first one is to come forward um, if you want to be certain and assured of your walk with God, your inheritance, your eternity, your salvation. If there's any hint of I'm uncertain if I pass every one of those tests this morning, then um, I'd love to pray with you. A couple of us will pray with you. Okay, and the second one is, uh, well, let me, let me labor on, 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 on the, the love for one another. A love like Jesus, uh, a love that only the Holy Spirit can give us. Come and let's do business with God. Self-sacrificial love. A love that goes beyond my preference and what I enjoy. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.